If we don't evolve, then we'll be left in the dust. You know, that's that's every every team in the NFL. We don't want to be rigid. We want to be open to growth, uh, just so we can produce on Sunday. You know, you guys are uh, similar to myself and Jimmy Smith. I mean, I think uh, it's always a competition, but it's a friendly competition that, that to make each other better. Hello, Vikings fans. Chris Corso here with episode number 79 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And yes, the move that we have all been waiting for this offseason has officially been announced by the Minnesota Vikings. Clint Kubiak, son of Gary Kubiak, has been named the offensive coordinator for the Vikings heading into the new season. I think the main thing here is you're looking for some consistency for Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, who had the best season of his NFL career so far under Gary Kubiak last season. Obviously, many pieces coming back for the Vikings offense who know Clint and and who can succeed in this offense. So that's the theme of this episode. It is the high-profile coaching hires that have been announced for the Vikings this week. So many things to go over. And with that, I bring in Vikings team reporter Eric Smith, as well as producer Jay Nelson. And guys, this is pretty much an instant reaction to the press conferences that happened yesterday of all the moves that were announced. So Eric, I'll kind of let you lead off. You were there at each and every um, press conference of, of all the coaches that were announced. So why don't you run us through some of the other moves that were made by the Vikings front office this week? Sure. And uh, there's some definitely some moves that were made, but it's a lot of familiar faces that are still around. Obviously, Clint Kubiak gets the promotion over to offensive coordinator. And Andrew Janoko, who had spent last year as a wide receivers coach before that, he was the assistant O-line coach. He's kind of been an offensive assistant the last few years before that. He's now the quarterback coach. And a fresh face is former NFL wide receiver Keenan McCardell, who we all know from his time with the with the Jacksonville Jaguars and and the Chargers back in the day, a great receiver. He is the Vikings new wide receivers coach. And then obviously we know that Ryan Ficken was hired as the special teams coordinator. We've we covered that before on the podcast. So some new a new face in Keenan McCardell, some old faces and Clint Kubiak and Andrew Junoko. And uh yeah, the key word there is continuity. And the Vikings coaching staff has taken shape for 2021. Yeah, Eric, I think it's awesome to see some of the faces that we've seen around the Vikings facility for so long, like an Andrew Janoko, who has been pretty much uh, worked under a Pat Shermer, a, a Tony Sperano on the Vikings offensive line. Obviously, most recently, he, he talked about this in the press conference yesterday, you'll, you'll hear pretty soon the experience that he had under Kevin Stefanski and the things that he learned um, from Kevin as Kevin kind of led this group of young offensive coaches the past couple years, and obviously that led to his departure as the Browns head coach. But Janoko, a, a really good friend of mine, um, somebody who's been a part of almost every position of this Vikings offense, and when you see a guy like Adam Thielen tweet out how good of a coach Andrew Janoko is, that was really something that stood out to me. The other thing that stands out is what you just said, Eric, Keenan McCardell, a 17-year wide receiver in the NFL. Um, in his press conference, he talked about how how literally he's been the fourth wide receiver, he's been the third wide receiver, he's been the second wide receiver, and he's been the go-to wide receiver in the NFL. So he can't wait to talk to an Adam Thielen about being the veteran in the room, but also what he touched on 
was working with Justin Jefferson and how he really wants to take him to the next level. So, uh, Jay, what do you think Keenan McCardell brings to this this uh, offensive coaching staff, the one new fresh face that we see um, in, a, in a key position for the Vikings? I think he brings a, a, a definite name. I know a lot of these guys that are in the league right now are probably know him in the past or maybe when they were really little kids. But, I mean, he's been a part of one of the biggest dynamic duos that was in the NFL, especially with that Jaguars team with Jimmy Smith. I think uh, a guy like him who's been around the block – like you said, 17 years as a player, multiple teams. He's coached now, I think, at four different spots, uh, different times over the last 11 years. He has literally done and seen it all in the NFL and uh, in college as well. And I think a guy like him coming in, he the the interesting nugget for me from the press conference was he was talking about even last year when we, we played against him, he was watching Jefferson and helping break down his tape from before and kind of looking at this kid. And he went up to him even after the game, just telling him, like, I like your game. I like your style. I think uh, having shiny new toy like this and, and seeing what Justin did that first year, I think uh, a guy like McCardle is going to be willing and, and very happy to come in and help show him some of the other ropes that he might not necessarily know at this point. So I think having a guy with with his history and his knowledge is going to be super helpful in that wide receiver room. Yeah, Jay, I agree. And and you saw his face light up when he was talking about working with Justin Jefferson. He even said that's why he accepted the job with the Vikings and why he left um, his position with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We will hear more from each and every one of these offensive coaches in this episode. But also, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball, um, where a very uh, key hire was made by Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, um, a big hire and and someone who he's dear friends with from his time with the Cincinnati Bengals, Paul Gunther, who was previously with the Las Vegas Raiders as their defensive coordinator. I know during last season, Coach Zimmer had talked about how he talks with Gunther throughout the season, um, going back to their times as coaches with the Cincinnati Bengals. So definitely a big hire as a senior uh, defensive assistant for the team. Eric, what do you think this hire brings uh, to the Vikings defensive side of the ball that clearly needs to shake things up a little bit? Yeah, we all know the defense needs to improve and get better than it was in 2020, but it brings in another defensive mind that is almost similar to Zimmer. I mean, you, you look back at Zimmer's time in Cincinnati and the great defenses he had there. Paul Gunther was almost like his right-hand man at, at the time with the Bengals. He was a defensive assistant for a few years, and then once Zimmer became the head coach here, they elevated Gunther to the defensive coordinator role, and he kind of kept running Zimmer's scheme, the the 4-3 scheme, the the double A-gap, the, the mug look blitzes. So while Zimmer knows his scheme better than anyone, he, he probably knows it just as well as Paul Gunther. And it's just a, another mind in there to, to kind of have a, a sounding board uh, for, for Coach Zimmer and to help the defense kind of get back on track than what we saw in 2020. I think it, it can only help because Paul Gunther is a really respected and, and veteran defensive coach who, like I said, knows this scheme almost as well as Coach Zimmer. And you put those two minds together, I think it, it can only mean great things for the defense going forward. Yeah, it's almost like if you gain the trust of Coach Zimmer uh, at some point in his career, you're you're loyal. You're, you're just with him. He's loyal with his guys. You're with him for life. And uh, when I saw that he was let go by the, by the Las Vegas Raiders, I instantly thought that there was a chance that he may be added to the Vikings staff. And obviously, Dom Capers uh, was in that role as senior defensive assistant last season. 
Now he left and went to the Detroit Lions uh, in that same exact role. So obviously there's a void that needs to be filled and another voice in the room who has clearly some real experience as a defensive coach in the NFL. So definitely a good thing uh, for this defense that we'll see some guys come back into the lineup after injuries and all the things that happened on the defensive side of the ball last year. But let's get into the episode um, number 79 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We're going to go through every single coaching hire in depth. You're going to hear about what they had to say in their introductory press conferences this week. And then we're going to talk about the Super Bowl that was. And obviously Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go and absolutely dismantle the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe Jay and Eric and myself all had the Kansas City Chiefs winning that game. Um, so obviously we were 0 for 3 in that regard, guys. That's 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 a tough one to handle. Listen, I, I I wholeheartedly remember Eric saying his key to the game was the Tampa Bay defense, and uh, I think that definitely proved to be the case in this one. Absolutely, but let's kick this thing off. Let's get into Clint Kubiak, the man who takes over at offensive coordinator for the Vikings. I, I said it on the last show, and, and obviously when he was a candidate for the job, he was the top internal candidate for the job. And I just thought that the relationship that he had with Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, when Kirk made a mistake, when Kirk made a great play, uh, Clint was the first person that, that Kirk would go up to and pretty much say, all right, what do, what do we have to do here? Look at the Microsoft Surface kind of make adjustments and move forward within the game. So obviously there's a relationship there that has been built over the years that Clint has been with the Vikings. But uh, obviously he's the son of Gary Kubiak, who who decided to retire um, a couple weeks ago. And obviously we'll miss Gary in the building. He's one of the best people in the NFL. But looking at Clint and, and what he's done as a coach, you, you try to kind of look at, at what he's done and not always compare him to his dad, which was kind of the theme of the press conference um, for the younger Kubiak. But going back to his time in 2013 and 2014 with the Vikings, he was an assistant wide receivers and offensive quality control coach, obviously worked a lot with former Vikings coach Kevin Stefanski, and that's what he touched on um, when, he, when he addressed the media on Tuesday, Eric. How do you think that relationship with Kevin Stefanski really played into him returning to the Vikings in 2019 and, and where he's come today? Yeah, I think what people forget is that while Clint has been here the last two years as the quarterback coach, he was in Minnesota prior to that a few years ago at the beginning of Mike Zimmer's tenure as an offensive assistant. And obviously Kevin Stefanski was here at that time too. And those two really clicked as friends, as coaches. And you could really tell when Clint talked on Tuesday how much that Kevin Stefanski had influenced him. And we all know the good coach that Kevin Stefanski is, you know, with the head, being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and his rise up from, you know, being an, an uh, initial intern with the Vikings. And yeah, it seems like Clint Kubiak has taken a, a similar path. You know, he's he was a position coach. Now he's an offensive coordinator and he has a chance to kind of put his own mark. And yeah, if you can be influenced by someone who's A, as good of a coach, but B, as good of a person as Kevin Stefanski, that's a, that's a good track to be on. Let's look at the bio for Clint. He was born in Houston, obviously, when his father was the head coach of the Houston Texans. Uh, moved to Colorado and played high school football uh, there. Went to Colorado State and played safety um, from 2005 to 2009. 
from there, he went straight into coaching. 2010 to 2012, he was at Texas A&M as a quality control coach on the offensive side of the ball, um, also inside wide receivers coach. Then he had his stop at Winter Park with your Minnesota Vikings from 2013 to 2014, um, went to the University of Kansas in 2015 as a wide receivers coach, and then he was with the Denver Broncos with his dad, where I believe they won a Super Bowl from 2016 to 2018. He was an offensive assistant, worked his way up to that quarterback's coach, and that brings us to his current role um, with the Vikings, where he started as a quarterback's coach in 2019. Now he is the Vikings offensive coordinator in 2020. Uh, I think what you really look at here is the the outside zone scheme that really benefits a Dalvin Cook and allows him to run to the outside. It allows our, our fresh, young offensive linemen to get out and run block, and obviously the play action that really benefits the game of Kirk Cousins. That is what... The offensive scheme is is been built by Gary Kubiak, been built by Kevin Stefanski, and who knows those two guys better than Clint Kubiak. So um, one big thing that I took away from the press conference, and we're going to play this clip right now, was Clint talked about how the offense will not only stay similar, but also needs to evolve going forward. Yeah, I think if if we don't evolve, then we'll be left in the dust. You know, that's that's every every team in the NFL. Um, always trying to find a ways to to evolve your scheme and try to make yourself less predictable, and that goes uh, this time of year is a heavy self self scout time of year and studying other teams. Um, but certainly, we don't want to be rigid. We want to we want to be open to growth, uh, just so we can produce on Sunday. Yeah. So you hear Clint Kubiak's comments there, and that really resonated with me because. I'm really interested to see how he kind of puts his own spin on this offense. You know, as Chris said, we know that he has worked with his father, Gary Kubiak. We know he's worked with Kevin Stefanski and they each have their own kind of flavor of this offense. But what is Clint's uh, fingerprint going to be on this? And he talked about not being rigid, kind of evolving as we go. Is that more passes for Justin Jefferson? Is that more of a, of a run pass balance? Is that throwing it on second and 10? I know Gary Kubiak had a tendency to run it more often than not on second and long. So we'll have to see how that goes. But we'll, we'll know that, I think, pretty early on during the season about what his flavor is and, and what he kind of wants to implement for that offense. But I think it will evolve because while he's learned under his dad, I'm sure he doesn't believe every single thing that his dad has you know, shown and, and, and ran and like you said, if you don't evolve, teams are going to know. If he runs the exact same offense that Gary ran in 2019, opposing teams are smart enough that they're going to pick up on that. And he's got to have his own flavor, his own style, and I think Clint will, will do a good job in that role. Yeah, one thing that, that he probably picked up from Kevin Stefanski, and, and the thing that I always remember Kevin saying was, you have to be multiple. Yeah, you can't just run the ball. You can't just do play action. You have to be able to do a bunch of different things within an offensive scheme. And you can't just say, hey, we're going to run this this zone, outside zone scheme. We're going to do this exact thing the way Gary Kubiak did it, the way all the teams expect us to do it. Obviously, we had a lot of success on the offensive side of the ball last season, but it's going to be very interesting to see, just like Kevin had his own spin on the Gary Kubiak offense. But like you said, Eric, I want to see how Clint kind of has his own spin on this offense. Obviously, when you have one of the top players in the NFL, at the wide receiver position in Justin Jefferson, who clearly you didn't know um, that he was in that position when when week one started last year. I think you have to develop around 
the players in your scheme. I think the best coaches in the NFL are the ones that adapt and make play calls and make things happen because of the players that they have on the field. Um, We saw that with the Baltimore Ravens offensive side of the ball um, when they literally created an an entirely new offense for Lamar Jackson a few years ago, and and he went on to win an MVP that season. So I think that's a good example of what Clint can do for a Justin Jefferson, for a Dalvin Cook, and obviously there's a lot of playmakers on this offense going forward. We're going to look through some of the stats from this past year, the Vikings offensive numbers that Jay has gathered here. 35 touchdowns through the air. That's the third most in team history. So I know Gary Kubiak's known for his running backs and the Terrell Davises and the Arian Fosters, but 35 touchdowns through the air, 4,009 yards uh, passing, which was 14th in the NFL. But clearly things were working um, in the Vikings pass game. Kirk Cousins has the best season of his career, as I touched on before, 4,265 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, which is the most he's ever had, as I said before, and 13 interceptions, which a lot of those were from the first few games of the season, and he clearly um, got better as the season went on. Um, So from a passing standpoint, Jay, how do you think Clint can impact kind of what the Vikings did last year and and kind of evolve, as he said in that little soundbite? I think the fact that he's been working for the last two seasons here with Kirk, he kind of understands his quirks, his ins and outs, what's he, what he really likes. And I think with those things, he's going to be able to try and set up and cater his game and some of the play calling to a lot of the things that he does well. And to be honest with you, I think if there are things they want to do that aren't necessarily in Kirk's wheelhouse or that are, that he's uh, super proficient at, that's all stuff they can work on here in this off season. So I think I kind of look at Clint, I look at this and say, you know, how many times have you done something where you've taken over the mantle of doing something that your dad used to do and you want to do it a little bit different because it's your style? I I just look at this as as Clint is, like you said, he's going to want to be able to put his his thumbprint on this thing and say, this is kind of my piece that I want. And and I know a lot of the the hyper criticism at times coming from the outside world is we got to get younger. We got to get more innovative. We got to be less rigid on some of these things. I think given all of the experience that he has with wide receivers and now the quarterback and now moving into this offensive coordinator position, I think Clint is going to be able to help cater this thing exactly to the weapons that we have. And I think that should definitely help us take another step moving into, you know, a third year in this offense going uh, next year with, with, Kirk and Jefferson and Thielen and Dalvin Cook and everybody else that's on this offense. So I look forward to kind of seeing what it evolves into. It's crazy how this offense has really evolved over the years as Mike Zimmer took over the team in 2014. We've had so many different offensive coordinators um, in his time here from the North Turner to the Pat Shermer, obviously uh, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, and now Clint Kubiak. But Mike Zimmer says last season's offense was his best offense um, in his time with the Vikings. So I think if you if you look at building this offense, I think obviously you build it around a Dalvin Cook. But I'm really excited to see, um, as I just said before, and, and as, as we're kind of talking about how these there's so many playmakers through the air and an Irv Smith who came on with like four touchdowns in the last five games last year. And then you look at a Justin Jefferson and an Adam Thielen, and then you go down the list and Chad Beebe and BC Johnson, we haven't even got to uh, the NFL draft or free agency yet. So there's just so many pieces on this Vikings roster um, for, for really explosive plays through the air. 
Um, let's go over to the rushing side of the ball. 20 rushing touchdowns for the Vikings last year. That was fifth most in team history. Obviously, Dalvin Cook missed a few games, which definitely impacted that number, but Dalvin had quite the season for the Vikings. 1,557 yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, 361 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. I think he would have crossed 20 if he didn't miss a few games last season, Eric. But what do you what do you have to say about the Vikings running game and how it's going to develop under Clint Kubiak in 2021? It's still going to be there. I mean, with Mike Zimmer in charge, we know the Vikings are going to run the ball. And when you have a talent like Dalvin Cook, you'd be dumb not to run the ball. Uh, I think a big key to that is what the Vikings do with their offensive line this offseason and kind of how that kind of gets shuffled around. We know that Garrett Bradbury and Edric Cleveland and Brian O'Neill are all going to be back. Um, it just kind of maybe those other two pieces we'll have to see what the team does with, with Riley Reef. But there's no doubt that the Vikings are still going to run the ball in 2021. And I think the term you used earlier is really important about being multiple. If you line up in different formations to throw the defense off, but still run the same plays out of it, that confuses the defense. If you line up with three receivers and one tight end, and then but you run the ball when they think they're going to pass it, well, that kind of gets them thinking a little bit rather than having two or three tight ends where more often than not it's going to be a run. So, yeah, I'm really uh, excited and interested to see, like I said, what flavor Clint puts on this, and that's in the run and the pass game. You know, we'll have to see – kind of where those uh where the sliders are in terms of run pass ratio uh but i think he's a young uh creative mind and he's kind of been waiting for this chance and and i think he'll do a good job and when you look around the nfl some of the co- the head coaches and offensive coordinators they're they're definitely on the younger side um starting with the sean mcveighs and obviously the matt lafleurs um and the experience that that he's he didn't have much experience as a head coach when he took over there in Green Bay, and obviously it's worked out pretty well for them other than the play call that he has in that playoff game for Aaron Rodgers on fourth down. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see a fresh new take on this offense. I'm excited to see the way Clint kind of makes it into his own, and and we'll definitely see going forward the balance between the run and the pass, which will definitely be something to track with the just the amount of young talent that you have at the receiver and tight end position. And obviously you have an Alexander Madison behind Dalvin Cook who can definitely help um, with the balance of the running game. But one more stat I want to touch on here is, as Jay has laid out, and, and it really stands out to me from the offensive side of the ball as a whole, total yards per game for the Minnesota Vikings 2020 offense, 393 that's good for fourth in the NFL. So clearly the mix of run and pass um, last season really was something that that benefited um, the, the yards uh, from both sides of the offense. I mean, that's pretty incredible that we had 393 yards per game. I know some of those games you're kind of trailing and, and you have some junk yards and stuff like that. But uh, like, like Coach Zimmer said, I think this was one of the best offenses, especially in, in his tenure here. I mean, uh, we've been with the Vikings since 2015, Eric, and I, I really can't remember um, one that was as explosive as it was last season. And, and I think there's so many players, like you said, that are going to improve going forward from the offensive line to the playmaker spot. Obviously, Dalvin Cook continues to improve as long as he stays healthy. So a lot of good things on the Vikings offensive side of the ball. But let's kind of get into some of those other coaches that we were talking about. And Andrew Janoko, who has really been a part of of this offense at every 
position. I mean, he was the assistant offensive line coach in 2017, the co-offensive line coach in 2018, assistant offensive line coach again in 2019, and then wide receivers last year in 2020. Now he takes over the position that he played in college, the quarterback coach for the Minnesota Vikings offense. Um, He played backup quarterback at the University of Pitt. That's no joke um, to, to even be a quarterback at a Division I school like the University of Pittsburgh. So uh, what do you think he brings to this position, Jay? I, I, he's one of my good friends, so I, I just love to talk about Andrew, and I'm really excited what he's going to bring to the quarterback position. I think given everything that you just listed on there, it shows his his diversity of knowledge with these different pieces. I think um, having been a quarterback, a lot of times you'll see a lot of people that were former quarterbacks, they have to understand the entire offense in order to be able to know where people are supposed to be and how to put people in better positions. And you'll even see former quarterbacks working on defense because then they can help defenders figure out where they're supposed to be and what the quarterback's trying to key off of. But I think a guy like uh, Andrew, the, the thing that I harpen back to is, is basically when he was jumping into the O-line position from the O-line position to wide receiver coach. And we had him on the MVP and we were talking to him about what's that transition going to be like and the new people coming in and everything. And he, he, he welcomes it. He welcomes the diversity of kind of having to twist his mind in different ways that, that he hasn't had to for a while. And I think the fact once a quarterback, always a quarterback. Now he understands offensive line and wide receivers even more and he can help Kirk and, and, and even Clint to help mold this game plan into ways that it's going to be beneficial across the entire offense. So I think given his history of his background and then all the stuff that he's also done as a coach, I think all of that knowledge is going to be even more helpful for him as a quarterback's coach. I'm going to share a story on the MVP because our view, our listeners are, are definitely want to get that inside information. I was with Andrew when uh, the national college football uh, championship was on when the LSU Tigers uh, beat was it Clemson right yeah they beat Clemson in that game and I I will never forget watching that with him I think we, we might have been at a at an establishment Jay and I remember how fond he was of Justin Jefferson in that game like he we were just talking about how good that wide receiver is that had 18 touchdowns that season with Joe Burrow at the at, at LSU so um Going forward, I'll never forget we talked to him uh, right after we drafted Justin Jefferson on draft night, and he was so excited to work with Justin. And obviously his first year as a wide receivers coach, um, you can go to vikings.com to see what Justin had to say about the impact that Andrew had on his first season in the NFL. So just a funny story I thought I'd share um, at, at his impact on the wide receiver position last season. Um, but but I think the biggest thing of going over to the quarterback position is that he's been all over the offense. And when you're all over the offense, you can kind of see how the other positions work and talk to the quarterback and say, this is the way the offensive line is is, is going to be set up on this play. This is the way that the wide receivers want to run their routes. Um, he's done all that. He's coached all that. Um, and that's what he was asked about in his press conference on Tuesday. So let's take a listen to that. Well, I, I think uh, learning protections – was a big thing and learning and understanding how you know your launch point as a quarterback it it, it affects um, it affects the offensive lineman and um, you know how you communicate the plays affects all, all five of those guys up front and and then as far as um, you know just 
where they to be where they expect you to be and and how you can help direct them um, how you can help at the line of scrimmage um, and how you help communicate with them because you understand a little bit more of what they're doing you know it's it's just not a protection there's a technique that's applied to them as well when you call that when you call that play and if you understand that then then you can help them even more yeah, I thought that was Andrew's best answer of his entire press conference yesterday because, for one, I learned a lot j- just from that one answer alone. But it also shows you just how intricate and detailed a single NFL play is, and especially a single NFL pass play, which he was describing there. Kirk doesn't just, you know, get the ball from from Garrett Bradbury, drop back, and just throw it around. Like so much goes into it, and. Andrew had a great answer because I feel like he broke it down and said, hey, even the launch angle, even the quarterback's arm position has to be on and in line with what the offensive line is doing. And to me, that showed really Andrew's growth as a coach and and really what he's learned uh, the past couple of years he's been here. And I think he's going to do a good job. He's, He's very smart. He's knowledgeable. As, as Chris said, he's played quarterback before. He's going to have a good rapport with Kirk, having been a former D1 quarterback. But just that extra element there, we can be like, hey, this is what the wide receivers are doing. This is what the offensive line has to do on this play. And so, yeah, that extra knowledge, I think, is going to be really beneficial to Kirk and, and help Andrew flourish in, in his first season in this role. And I touched on it before, but uh, working under Tony Sperano, working under uh, Norv Turner, uh, uh, Pat Shermer, uh, Kevin Stefanski, these are all guys that Andrew literally was studying under and 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 doing notes for and writing up plays for and and cutting clips for. Like he's been doing just about everything for all of these guys um, for the past whatever five or so six years um, with the Vikings offensive staff. So I think all of that that experience is what he will bring into the quarterback room. And and when you have a guy who's just literally coached every position. Um, and been here through ups and downs and different quarterbacks and um, different schemes. It's it's really interesting to see, um, like I said earlier, what this Vikings offense is going to be going forward. But let's touch on the new name on the Vikings offensive staff. As we said before, Keenan McCardell, uh, a name that many are familiar with because of his long career in the NFL. He's played with the Washington football team from 1991 all the way until the end of his career where he was with the Houston Texans in Washington in 2007. Just a long-time career in the NFL. There's so many teams that he played for from the Jaguars for five years um, from 96 to 2001. He was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they won their Super Bowl. That was his second Super Bowl ring because he actually won one um, his first year in the NFL with with the Washington football team. Literally has been a walk-on in the NFL, but has also been the number one wide receiver in the NFL. I really took a lot from that and what he had to say there. But um, the, the one thing that also stood out to me, Jay, was, I mean, he has experience coaching Stephon Diggs in college at the University of Maryland. So instantly when he was looking to take this job, he asked Diggs about Adam Thielen. And how did Diggs describe Adam Thielen? He said he's one of the best trash talkers that he's ever played with in the NFL. So uh, clearly getting some inside information on what the Vikings veteran wide receiver is like and just the intensity that he brings each and every day to practice. So, uh, Jay, just give us one more um, kind of – reaction to the the press conference for Keenan McCardell and what he brings to the Vikings offense. Yeah, that was one of those quotes that actually made me smile when I heard it. And it just showed me that this guy is doing his his background, you know, digging as much as possible 
that connection from Maryland, from, from being there in 2014 and 2015, having that connection with Diggs and, and knowing that that's the first guy that I can call that absolutely knows this guy inside and out. I think that was very smart of him to, to give him a call and just say, tell me everything you can about what you know about this wide receiver group for the Minnesota Vikings. So going to a, a perfect source to get a bunch of that information. I'm sure he's coming in with his eyes wide open and knowing not only what the coaching staff is looking for, but also having a little bit of inside information as to what's going on in that wide receiver room. And and I got to believe as well that, you know, Janoko is more than willing to talk to him about everything that he saw as well. So I think uh, if this guy's willing to do all, all the dirty work like he did as a player and uh, even as a coach here, I think he's going to do just fine and fit right in in that room. And to be honest with you, I think all those wide receivers when he walks in they're gonna to have to sit up a little straighter given everything he did in his career especially with those two Super Bowl rings a two-time pro bowler 10,000 yards club obviously many remember the dynamic duo uh, when he played alongside Jimmy Smith the two of them were a really a uh, dynamic set of wide receivers um, there and, and obviously with 17 years in the NFL it's just amazing um, another guy he checked in with was Justin Jefferson um, he actually talked about how he met him at the Combine and the two developed a relationship, exchanged numbers for advice. And now, obviously, he had that number to reach out to when he took the job with the Vikings. And, and obviously, the two have talked already and, and established a connection. And I'm really excited to see um, what those two do. We talked about the dynamic duo of him and Jimmy Smith. Well, he compares himself alongside Jimmy to Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Let's take a listen to that. You know, I had this conversation with Adam today, and you know, I was just like, you know, you know, you guys are, are similar to myself and Jimmy Smith. I mean, I think uh, you guys push each other. You guys have fun uh, playing with each other. And I said, I want you guys to continue to that, continue that because I've been a part of that. I understand that. I said, it's always a competition, but it's a friendly competition that, that to make each other better. And one thing that they got to realize, you know, and I, I will let them know, and I know they already do know that, you know, when one's having a good day, it's because the other one is getting doubled or vice versa. So you got to you got to take that and, and, and play it and, and be a team player and, and keep playing. Yeah, great word there from Keenan McCardell, and he's spot on. And he his quote there reminded me a lot of what we saw from the Vikings a few years ago when they had Diggs and Thielen working off each other. And if one guy had a great game, it usually meant that the other guy was being doubled. And similar, we even saw that a lot last year in 2020 with Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And it's a competition, but, but as he said, it's a friendly competition too, you know, both players want the ball. Let, let's get that straight. Both players want the ball. They want to produce, but they're also selfless. They're they're team players. You know, we, we know Adam very well. You know, we saw Jefferson just in his rookie season. He seems like a very team first player. So, hey, if one game, if Jefferson gets 100 yards and two touchdowns, and it means Thielen has three catches for 40 yards, Thielen did his job because it meant that he opened up opportunities for Jefferson. And when you have a wide receivers coach who's been a part of that duo, you know, with him and Jimmy Smith, he's going to relay that to them even more. And I think it only bodes well for the future for the Vikings, especially in 2021, you know, with the Vikings passing attack. And if you can have those two guys play off each other and have an experienced veteran coach, you know, who has, like he said, he's sat in every position and in, in every room these guys have been in. He sat in the same seats, attended the same meetings. 
he's a good sounding board. He's a good guy to kind of relay ideas and, and, and processes off of. And yeah, he's going to be a good, a good resource. And I'm real excited to see how he continues, continues feeling career, but, but then also help Jefferson build off his historic rookie season. A lot of good things coming for the Vikings offensive side of the ball from a coaching staff standpoint. And obviously the defense adds a big name in Paul Gunther as well. Very exciting week for the Vikings and definitely um, one of the most newsworthy weeks as we've been waiting for some of these dominoes to fall um, at some of the key positions on, on the Vikings staff. So it seems like the staff is pretty much set in place. There might be another hire here or there um, at certain uh, positions, but I think a lot of the, the positions have been settled, which is really good to see at this point in the offseason. Um, one more hire. This probably isn't as important to Vikings fans um, on the field, but on the business side, and and obviously very important to us, uh, we have a new boss at the Vikings Entertainment Network, um, Chief Marketing Officer and former Vikings wide receiver Martin Nance um, was hired this week. The team announced that on Tuesday. Um, He is the new Vikings Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer. That is his official title. And like I said, he spent uh, one, one year, I think he had one start, in his NFL career with the Minnesota Vikings. So um, I'll throw this one to Eric. Kind of, you, You've definitely done some reporting on this. What what are the Vikings getting on the business side with Martin Nance? Yeah, so I wasn't a part of the actual interview process, but as any good team reporter, I did talk to people who were, and everyone has rave reviews on Martin Nance. And I'm excited to, I guess, meet him virtually at some point. Probably not going to be in person anytime soon, but... Everything I've heard about him is just fantastic. I know one coworker, he said he was, quote, over the moon for Martin Nance. Um, I talked to another guy, and he was just – Nance was clearly his top guy of, of the three finalists. So it sounds like the Vikings hit a home run. You know, credit to COO Andrew Miller for, for you know, scouring around and finding good candidates. And it, it seems like the Vikings really did their due diligence and, and found a, a good hire in, in Martin Nance. You know, he's a former Vikings wide receiver, and I, I know a lot of people are going to play that up, but I'd, I'd want to point out that that's not why he got the job. I mean, it's a nice little backstory. It's a cool, cool angle, but, you know, he spent the last 10 years at Gatorade, and that's a, a major company, especially in the NFL with, with that partnership and just how big their brand is. And if you can excel at Gatorade, I think you can probably excel anywhere. And from what I've heard, he brings a great vision, uh, great energy, and I'm excited to have him on board. Yeah, he played wide receiver at Miami University of Ohio, and then he went on to get degrees from the University of Michigan and Harvard Business School. And as Eric said, he spent the last 10 years working for PepsiCo and Gatorade, recently serving as their senior director of marketing and sports intelligence in Chicago. I mean, it's it's I mean, to find a chief marketing officer that literally has that kind of experience and that has also played for the organization. I mean, it's you really can't beat that. And I'm really excited to see um, his new role with the Vikings and how he's able to manage um, our marketing, sponsorship events, premium services, creative sales and analytics, and also the Vikings Entertainment Network. Obviously, he's going to have an impact on all three of us, which I'm very excited to see. Um, The quote from Vikings owner slash president Mark Wilf, Martin has a proven track record of not only as a talented marketer, but also as an authentic leader. His values, work ethic, and expertise will be a great fit within the Vikings culture, and he will be an excellent addition 
uh, to our leadership team. So very exciting to hear that from the Vikings ownership group. They're very excited um, for him to join the team, and we are excited as VN um, for him to really lead us in the right direction going forward. Obviously, there's a lot of changes in the world, and we, we like to give you guys the best content possible. I think Martin's going to help us do that going forward. The last topic of this Minnesota Vikings podcast will be a quick wrap-up of the 2020 Super Bowl, uh, one of the most uh, one-sided Super Bowls that I could remember as of late. And as we speak, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are celebrating along the streets of Tampa Bay um, with their with their parade. So, Eric, what's kind of your summary of what happened in this game? Obviously, the Buccaneers pretty much dominated 31-9. to And it's safe to say the defensive side of the ball, uh, led by Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had their way with the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Yeah, I don't want to say I called it, but when we talked uh, previously and you asked for my biggest matchup, I said it's the Buccaneers defensive line against a banged-up Chiefs offensive line. And that played out exactly how I said it was going to play out. Um, You know, the Buccaneers defensive line generated heavy pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was running around all night, still making incredible throws. I mean, there were some throws he made that probably should have been caught, and maybe that helps turn the tide a little bit for the Chiefs. But, yeah, credit to the Buccaneers defense. My MVP vote, if I had one, it would have gone to Todd Bowles just for the game plan that he drew up. I mean, you go back and watch, and the Buccaneers' two safeties were playing 15, 20 yards deep off the ball, and they weren't going to let the Chiefs go deep at all. And that's the exact opposite of what we saw when those teams met back in the regular season. And Tyreek Hill, I think, had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter. So credit to Tampa Bay for adjusting and learning from that game. And it clearly showed. You know, I think injuries hit the Chiefs a little bit. You know, they were essentially playing uh, almost like a backup offensive line across the board from what they started with at the beginning of the season. So, you know, but it takes some luck to win the Super Bowl. I think we all know that from having been around the NFL as long as we have. But credit to Tampa Bay. You know, I was wrong with my prediction. I thought Patrick Mahomes would find a way to get it done, but the defense was too much, and and Tom Brady played well. He was efficient. He didn't light it up, but he didn't turn it over, and that's usually what wins you games, especially games like the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's crazy the the way that the defense played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got pressure on Mahomes, 20 of 49 pass attempts, as Jay has written down here. Only six blitzes, completed three sacks, and forced two interceptions. They were doing things that Andy Reid pretty much said, yep, they got us in this one. They, they definitely did the right things on the defensive side of the ball. And the thing that stood out to me, obviously Tom Brady was, was great. 21 of 29, 201 passing yards, three touchdowns, two to Gronk in this game. Um, but what really stood out to me was how many playmakers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have on the defensive side of the ball. Like I just looking at our our defense and and the players that we had to throw out there all year um, with the injuries and things that happened um, to to an Anthony Barr, Daniel Hunter, and Eric Kendricks, all the injuries that the Vikings had to deal with. When you look at a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that has Vita Vea and uh, and Sue in the middle of the defense, and then you have Jason Pierre-Paul coming on the outside, you have linebackers in Devin Bush. And and Levante David and and Shaquille Barrett like I I can go through the names of the amount of playmakers on this Bucks defense 
And it's almost like it was set up for Tom Brady to come in and, and really be the finishing piece because he brought in some guys on the offensive side of the ball. But this defense, man, Jay, I, I was just shocked at how even the, the last five weeks of the season, how well they played. Yeah, that was the thing you saw, the the mix of veterans with the young talent that have all just kind of gelled, especially on the back end of that season. And, you know, they had 20 pressures on 49 pass attempts, but they only blitzed six times in the entire game. So, like, that just shows you that those the, the front four and even the minimal blitzes that they did, they were getting home on, on Mahomes. He had run prior to a pass or taking a sack for 497 yards in that game. 497 yards on a bum foot that he just had surgery on uh, three days after the Super Bowl was over. So like they knew what they had to get in Mahomes face. They knew that the offensive line was shaky at best and they could not allow Mahomes to either get out of contain and, and hit some of those crazy passes downfield, let alone let Tyreek Hill run for 70 yards and just play 500 and chuck it up there and let him run underneath it. So they did everything correctly defensively. And I think the the mix of, of old with the new, that is the key to success. And so hopefully with some of the new talent that we've been pulling in for ourselves, we can kind of use this as a model for what's going to be successful for us, being able to mix some of our veteran talent with some of the new guys we've been selecting last year and whatever's going to happen coming up here in the in the draft. So it, it was a perfect game plan. Bulls and those guys did a great job uh, for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Speaking of old, 43-year-old Tom Brady and obviously Gronkowski with two receiving touchdowns. I think he has five receiving touchdowns in his career, which is second in NFL history to only Jerry Rice. He had six receptions and 67 yards. It seems like Tom Brady knows who he wants to go to in those big moments. Also, Antonio Brown is one of those older guys who came into this game and and had a really big um, receiving touchdown on Tyron Matthew, who literally, I think he... The, the only way of stopping that play was to like be in front of him because of the footwork that Antonio Brown had in the end zone and the perfect pass uh, from Tom Brady. Mike Evans was very quiet in this game. One reception, 31 yards. Um, but it seems like when it mattered most, big plays were made. And another big play was Leonard Fournette having a 20-plus a, a yard touchdown run um, in this game, which really started to separate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Man, it was just a game where Patrick Mahomes really struggled. It seemed like he had absolutely no time um, to get the ball to a Tyreek Hill who was pretty much held in check all day um, with a sort of bracket coverage that we talked about last week. Uh, He still had his seven receptions and 73 yards, um, but the last time he played Tampa Bay, he had 269 receiving yards. So when you have an Antoine Winfield Jr., who takes the time at the end of the game to do a little peace sign in Tyreek Hill's face. Um, that's definitely why he did so uh, in this game, and I think deservedly so after uh, the way that Tyreek Hill pretty much ran through them in Week 12, and then the Tampa Bay Bucks and Todd Bowles and your former Minnesota gopher, Antoine Winfield Jr., was able to shut them up, um, to say the least. So uh, definitely an entertaining Super Bowl, probably not – um, the best game if, if you didn't really have anything in the race and you wanted to see a closer game. But um, as Eric said, he kind of called it um, with the key matchup of the game being the defensive line and the the rattled up Chiefs offensive line. So tough one for us. We were 0 for 3 uh, in our predi- predictions. Every single one of us picked the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think we're on to bigger and better things for the Vikings um, in their staff 
and for the 2021 season. Um, so thank you guys. I appreciate it. Another good episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I guess I'll throw it to you, Eric. Do you have any final thoughts as we head into next week? Yeah, it, uh, it's kind of a slow time around the league. You know, we'll see uh, what happened with any potential trades or anything like that. But I think for the Vikings, it'll kind of be quiet here going forward. But I mean, free agency is only five weeks away. So there's always something coming around on the calendar. Jay? As the Tampa Bay Buccaneers celebrate their championship, the ink is drying on the 2020 season. And uh, I think for all of us at this point, you know, we've had a, a month or so to kind of digest everything that's happened for 2020. And I, I think uh, it's going to be fun to see for 2021 who's coming back, what kind of changes are going to happen. We're already starting to see some of the change in the turnover, and that's the great thing about the NFL. There's always change, there's always turnover, and there's always next season. If you're not the, uh, if you're one well, of those other 31 teams in the league and you're not the, the champion after that year, you can always start to look at what's going to happen for next season and get excited. So I'm looking forward to the upcoming offseason and all the coverage we're going to be able to provide you here at Vikings and Vikings.com. And it was quite the season for for the NFL with obviously all the COVID protocols. I can't believe that this season went on through the whole thing with no bubble and was able to finish off on time um, with that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. For the Vikings Entertainment Network, we did a total of 132 podcasts this year. Um, A lot of work from Jay, Eric, and a bunch of the VEN staff to make that possible. Obviously under center with Kirk Cousins, Skull Stories, uh, Vikings Vantage, the Vikings postgame report, and now the Minnesota Vikings podcast here wrapping up um, the regular season episode. So really appreciate you guys listening in. Um, Continue to check all of our social media platforms, vikings.com. Download the Vikings mobile app um, to get all of your know for the Minnesota Vikings heading into free agency. And of course, the NFL Draft, where the Vikings have the 14th overall pick. That'll do it for episode 79 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. For Eric Smith, Jay Nelson, this is Chris Corso, and until next time, have a great week.